All right. I'm David Feldman. If I were a normal human being, I'd be taking the week off. But instead, this is the mop up for April 7th, 2023. Robert Kennedy Jr. is running for president, and CBS News is reporting that he made the decision after receiving encouragement from Steve Bannon to run. If only Joseph Kennedy Sr. were alive to see his grandson in bed with a white supremacist Nazi sympathizer, he'd be so proud of him. Bobby Jr., one of America's leading anti-vaxxers, will be running with his new slogan, Make Polio Great Again. Anyone who meets Bobby is struck by how much he reminds them of his father, except, of course, for the batshit crazy ideas about COVID vaccines. Prince Harry and Meghan said they will make an announcement soon regarding their travel plans for King Charles's coronation. Harry prefers Hawaii, while Meghan wants Fiji. There is still the possibility the couple will attend the coronation if they can get assurances that Camilla won't try again to make a coat out of their Dalmatians. Meanwhile, critics of Harry and Meghan accuse them of crudely cashing in on their connection to the royal family, which has been crudely cashing in on Africa, Asia, East India and the Caribbean for centuries. King Charles on Wednesday commissioned a study that will investigate the link between the royal family and the slave trade. You mean beyond creating it? What other link is there? Kid Rock says he's boycotting Anheuser-Busch after the beer maker signed a promotional deal with transsexual influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Mulvaney recently transitioned from male to female, while Kid Rock is transitioning from fascist to full-bore Nazi. Too bad Will Smith didn't punch this rock instead. I don't think anybody would have been upset. To protest the company doing business with a transgender woman, Kid Rock released a new video of him wearing a MAGA hat firing an assault rifle at a case of Bud Lights while screaming F. Anheuser-Busch at the top of his lungs over the din of gunshots and cans of beer exploding. So basically, it sounds just like all his other albums. Bud Light is less filling, and less filling is also how concert promoters describe Kid Rock's concert sales compared to 20 years ago. Less filling. Tuesday, Donald J. Trump became only the second president in American history to get arrested. The first was President Grant, who was arrested for speeding. Trump has never been arrested for speeding since his Adderall is prescribed legally. Marjorie Taylor Greene showed up outside the arraignment Tuesday to show support for the embattled Trump. Marjorie is a strong proponent of loyalty and fidelity in politics, not so much when it comes to marriage. 
Marjorie's assistant is seen here handing Marjorie a bullhorn for her bullshit. Later, the self-avowed xenophobic white Christian nationalist paid a visit to New York Harbor so she could blow out the Statue of Liberty's torch. Then Marjorie was off to the theater after she scored last-minute tickets to heckle Hamilton. Marjorie later told friends that on her next visit, she wants to try this new restaurant every New Yorker suggested whenever she asked complete strangers on the street to recommend a place to eat. Apparently, it's a little bistro called Your Mother's Ass. Every time Marjorie walked up to New Yorkers and said, can you recommend a place to eat? New Yorkers said, yeah, try your mother's ass. Yesterday, Marjorie appeared on Fox News to complain that New York City, this is true, she appeared on Fox News, Tucker Carlson, uh, she appeared on Fox News to complain that New York City smelled like crap. She's right. It did smell like crap. But then Marjorie flew back to Georgia and now it smells perfectly fine again. And plastic surgeons broke the news to 60 Minutes correspondent Leslie Stahl that after Sunday's interview with Marjorie Taylor Greene, there's absolutely nothing they can do. Her face is now permanently stuck this way. During Tuesday's arraignment, Donald Trump was remarkably quiet, uttering but 10 words, all directed at the judge. Those 10 words were... Yes, no, as well as your wife and daughter are twos at best. Meanwhile, the legal profession considers Trump's attorneys a veritable who's who of who will do anything for publicity. Trump said he wanted the top legal minds ordering his aides, find me the best attorneys on the planet I don't care how much I must end up not paying them. One of the difficulties in this case is Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg says Trump falsified business records, which is a misdemeanor, but he says it's a felony because Trump was falsifying the records to cover up a larger crime. The problem is Bragg won't say what that larger crime is and insists he doesn't have to spell it out. I was hoping a trial involving hush money to a porn star would be exciting. Now it's starting to look drier than Stormy Daniels the night she had sex with Trump. This thing isn't ending because it's Trump. This trial, like the 2024 presidential election, is going to drag on way into 2025, and then some. Security downtown was incredibly tight for fear of another January 6. Right outside the courthouse, in case of a medical emergency, the Secret Service insisted there be an ambulance, or as Trump's attorney Joe Tacopina called that, a pace car. He's an ambulance chaser, so... The ambulance would be his pace car. In all fairness, Joe Tacopino would be a terrific lawyer 
if he'd stop handing out his phone number to anyone over the age of 70 and saying, call me. Elder abuse is one of my specialties. Look at Trump's face. All right. As the judge reads out the 34 counts Donald Trump has been charged with, his attorney, Joe Tacopina, proves himself a stickler for getting his dinner order just right. Got to fill that out correctly. Yes, sir. Donald Trump serenely pretends it's not him, while his attorney, Joe Tacopina, orders Clifford, his paralegal, to bring the former president a fresh pair of slacks. The judge instructed Trump that until this trial is over, he must refrain from making statements that incite violence. Trump's attorney asked, then how does he become president again? Before taking off for his return to Palm Beach, Trump's jet sat on the runway for nearly six hours as the ground crew tried desperately to de-ice Melania. During takeoff, Trump's jet had difficulty reaching cruising altitude since it was filled with toilet paper rolls, soap, towels, legal pads, stenography machines, Bibles, benches, and witness stands he and his legal team stole from the Manhattan courthouse. On the flight home, Trump, just to be on the safe side, ordered his pilot to go back in time so he could convince the guy designing Rikers Island to make sure each jail cell was equipped with a gold-plated toilet and a tanning bed. The pilot took a circuitous route to Florida so Trump could break into the Oval Office, sit behind Joe Biden's desk, and refused to leave until someone gave him two scoops of vanilla ice cream with chocolate sprinkles. Meanwhile, during the press conference outlining his indictment, Manhattan's district attorney knows to call on Larry last. You always call on Larry last because it's always going to be the same exact question, which is, hey, Alvin, how are your brothers Theodore and Simon doing? Give my best to your human adoptive father, Dave Seville. Every time Alvin Bragg calls on Larry, Larry asks Alvin how his brothers Theodore and Simon are doing and then says, give my best to your human adoptive father, Dave Seville. Yes. Spotting uh, someone exiting the Portisan during his welcome home rally, Donald Trump wonders if he can make it there in time. He's always got to drop one. Last, uh, later that night, inside Mar-a-Lago, Trump delivered a speech in front of supporters, which included Arizona Carrie Lake, Roger Stone, Matt Gates, and anyone else who's shopping around for a pardon these days. Melania was noticeably absent. In all fairness, the speech took place inside the same ballroom she married Donald in, so 
it obviously brings back such horrible memories. This is absolutely true. Waiting for the president to take the stage, Mar-a-Lago speakers blasted David Bowie's Rebel Rebel. They blasted David Bowie's Rebel Rebel as Trump's crowd of intolerant homophobic homophobic bigots rocked out to the beats of a cross-dressing androgynous bisexual. It's true. Absolutely true. This is also true. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, made his grand entrance to the theme from Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera is Mike Lindell's favorite musical because it's the only play he's ever seen. Normally verbose, Lindell was laid back and just waved to the crowd with, How you doing? Great to see you again. And boy, do I miss smoking crack. Lindell is said to be completely broke and has told Trump he's worried he might not have enough money next year when Trump needs someone to prove 2024 was also stolen. Completely broke. Meanwhile, the Trump campaign is raking in big dough on all that merch. Even though the NYPD never took Trump's mugshot, his supporters are still spending $47 on a T-shirt featuring a fake mugshot of Trump standing in front of a measuring chart that makes him appear six foot five instead of six foot three. But according to Stormy Daniels, it's not Trump's height that could use the extra two inches. Trump's campaign says it raised $10 million immediately after he was indicted. There's your Trump base for you, right? People who can't come up with $200 for a medical emergency because they think Trump needs it more than they do. It would be sad if these cretins weren't getting us all killed. This is also true. Later that night at Mar-a-Lago, President Trump DJed a private party working under the name Pee on Me Diddy. This is true. He likes to DJ parties at Mar-a-Lago. And when the room gets going, he shouts, I got two turntables and a micro penis. Donald Trump has his own unique style. Instead of scratching the records, he falsifies them. Don Jr. later that night joined him in the DJ booth to work the needle straight into his arm. He worked the needle straight into his arm. Well, after a busy day, the former president can't get a good night's sleep at Mar-a-Lago unless before heading upstairs, he pops his head into the kitchen and shouts the C word at the top of his lungs. So what are we looking at in terms of time? When does this trial end? Trump will not be in. Uh, in court again for this case for months, at least for these, at least for these charges. But later in April, he's got the defamation suit filed by writer Eugene Carroll, one of the 40 women who claimed he raped them. There's the civil trial filed by the attorney general of New York, accusing Trump of defrauding the government and banks like there's any difference between the two. 
Then he could be indicted by the Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney for election interference. And there's the investigation of stolen classified documents, as well as instigating an insurrection on January 6th. And that's just the start. At 76, Trump may never go to prison, but he's going to be spending the rest of his life in court. Trump's going to be raising his right arm so many times he might as well be a Nazi. Trial after trial after trial. Trump is going to be hearing the words, please rise more often than Ted Nugent's penis. And on the Manhattan DA case, there are now reports Trump's lawyers will go before the judge again in August, which is also when the first Republican presidential debates are scheduled. This picture is from the 2016 Republican debates when, right after Dr. Ben Carson took the stage, the candidates instinctively checked to see if their wallets were still there including Dr. Ben Carson. Even Dr. Ben Carson checked his checked to see if his wallet was still there after he took the stage. That's how racist the, the GOP. This year's uh, GOP, that's how racist the GOP party is. This, year GO, uh, this year's GOP presidential debates are going to be fun, aren't they? They'll have Asa Hutchinson, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump all competing to see who can call Donald Trump the greatest president America ever had. It's going to be a profile in courage, those debates. Asa Hutchinson, the former governor of Arkansas, announced that he will seek the Republican nomination for president. Here he is during his scheduled press conference, making the big announcement, shouting at passerbys, I'm running for president. Are you a are you a reporter? Is anyone here a reporter? Can you can you at least pretend to be a reporter? Republican nominee Asa Hutchinson was disappointed when a representative from the Trump campaign said he regretted to inform him that Mr. Trump cannot be bothered to come up with a degrading nickname for him. That's humiliating when Trump doesn't even bother to come up with a nickname for you. Ron DeSantis, sinking fast in the polls, try to try to jumpstart his campaign by starting his speech with the Spice Girls. Stop right now. Thank you very much. I need someone with a human touch. I don't think it worked for him. Uh, the dance moves were not particularly uh, good. Trump is back on the campaign trail next week. Right now, he's focusing on his golf. And as you can tell from this picture, Trump always insists that his irons have a more screwed up head of hair than he does. Next week, Trump speaks at the National Rifle Association's annual convention in Indianapolis on the 14th of April, which, judging by my calendar, is 40 mass shootings from today. I'm David Feldman, and this has been the mop up for April 7th, 2023. 
please like this. Please uh, share it. The only reason you're listening to this or watching this right now is because someone copied and pasted the link to an episode and shared it with you. Nobody's helping me. Sam Cedar, but nobody else is helping me. So uh, the only way we can grow this show is if you're kind enough to copy and paste the link to this episode and share it via email or social media. Leave a comment. I read all your comments and I can't respond to everyone, but I do hit the heart button to let you know that I read it. Even if I don't agree with you, uh, I'll hit the, the heart button and come to office hours. I make myself available to all the listeners every Friday night from eight till about nine thirty office hours. And we're doing a special office hours presents. It's an evening of comedy and conversation. You're all invited. In fact, wherever you're listening or watching, uh, wherever you're listening to or watching this episode, the, the Zoom link is in the description. You can also find it over at my website. Just hit the office hours menu. We'll take you straight to the landing page. All you need is Zoom and you don't even need Zoom. Uh, the 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 link includes phone numbers, and it's an evening of comedy and conversation where I talk to the listeners, the listeners talk to me, and we have some special guests. Comedy writer Colleen Worthman from The Daily Show, the Mark Twain Prize. She writes for Michael Moore and Steve Martin. She's going to be there with Liam McEnany, the original guest host, uh, co-host of Office Hours, great comedian. And then we're going to have a conversation with Professor Adnan Hussein and the Reverend Barry w, Barry w. Lynn. It's about 90 minutes of fun, and Pastor Jonathan will be there. Uh, we're going to record a quick episode for my podcast, so if you'd like to watch us uh, record the link, come by. It's All you need is the link. You just need a phone or Zoom. So I'd love to see you, love to uh, hear what's on your mind. I think that covers everything. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Joining us is Dr. Philip Hershenfeld. He's a real psychiatrist, a, a, an actual Freudian psychologist, psychiatrist. I, I get nervous. And Ethan Hershenfeld is not a psychiatrist, but he plays one on the, Bur the book circuit. Yeah, well, today um, is now. Today is now is the book. Uh, the character is Dr. Samuel Benjamin. The book is out. The movie is coming out. We're still tweaking, but the movie, the movie is nearing completion. I know I've been saying that for a little while, but sometimes, you know, let's look at it this way: like, um, like an episode of Friends might take three weeks from start to finish. Shoah took fifteen years. So it's somewhere between Friends and Shoah. That's the production <laughs> time. <laughs> Which one is the sitcom? Also thematically, this, it's right between those two. Uh, <laughs> our film is, it's Friends meets Shoah. <laughs> <laughs> well, these are the things I want to talk about, but it's whatever you guys want to talk about. Delirium. What is delirium and who is more delirious? Donald Trump for thinking he's going to get away with this or the American people for thinking, ah, we got him. I, I think we're, I think we may be more delirious than he is. 
anger and all its manifestations is everybody as angry as David Feldman? Does everybody wake up and just say hello to anger? Hello, my friend. How have you been? Let's see what you're going to make me do today. And then walking versus uh, medication. There's a lot of literature now on walking. So especially walking to the pharmacy to get the medication. <laughs> That way you combine, you combine both. So you get the walking and you get the medication. There's no reason you can't, and you can chew gum at the same time. If you're, then you get everything covered. There is uh, a famous quote. There is no problem that cannot be solved by walking. Franklin Delano Roosevelt said that in 19, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, no, uh, there's one, there's one problem that, can't be solved by it being uh, stuck on a short pier. <laughs> <laughs> Does let me ask the real doctor? Yeah. What what would you recommend first? A walk or a, a session for somebody who is not feeling well in in the head bone? Is it called the head bone? <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> David. I, I, you're not being precise tonight. Um, delirium is a physiological condition. It's not being, you know, demented. You know, it's not bad thinking. You're what, is del what is delirium? If you get hit in the head, you can be delirious. If you take some poison, you can be delirious. Or if you have some serious medical condition, you can be delirious. But the um, so so let's can, can you use delirious in a sentence? Dad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grandma Feldman saw the A minus that David got, and she was deli delirious with joy. And, and and the other imprecise idea you came up with was some guy <laughs> who's who's troubled in the head or whatever. Right. I need a little more information. I'm on a ledge. My wife left me. Don't I've go for a walk if you're on a ledge. <laughs> Do not. Don't go walk. Uh, all right. Well, we'll start with delirium. Let me, let me just let me let me make two <laughs> two points first. First, you began in your example. You talked about welcoming or greeting your anger in the morning. You were making yes. a joke, but in fact, there's a lot of research and a lot of clinical experience by actual clinicians and by fake clinicians like myself that shows <laughs> that if you externalize what feels like a very internal and all-encompassing emotion like your anger, if you actually externalize it and place it on a chair opposite you and start talking to it, you can actually get some control over it. You can get some distance over it and you can manage it and you can, you can even send it on its way. One very effective um, behavioral uh, approach. And again, let me say to your audience that I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the disclaimer. <laughs> but one, one thing that you can do, you can pay someone who knows what they're talking about to tell you the same thing. You can actually give your anger, give your anger the floor. Give your anger the floor for a discrete amount of time. You could say, I have anger issues. What I'm going to do is every morning after my coffee, I'm going to sit 
and put my anger in the chair opposite me and let my anger have the floor. I'm going to give it the respect that it deserves, but it can't have my entire day. It can have those 15 minutes and I'm just going to sit with it and then see you tomorrow. But what if I'm in love with my anger? Well, what um, if I enjoy my anger's company and I want to well, hear then, him? I, I want to hear him just, talk. What if I find him a great go, storyteller? Go steady with your anger. That's, my, that's like, my anger has a steel trap memory. It, re, it remembers everything. <laughs> it's. Is this the basis of the song, Hello, Darkness, My Old Friend? Yes. Oh, that yeah. sounds, uh, it could be about that. That sounds like yeah. more, it's more about depression, maybe. I have to no. think through the lyrics. I don't know. But but the the other uh, point um, about this is you can you can also do that with uh, with journaling. Just give give vent to those angry thoughts. Again, I'm going to give give it a page or two pages a day, and then I close it. And I'll let it back in again tomorrow. You can do this with all sorts of moods. You can also do it with relatives who's in, whose company you can't stand. You can say, <laughs> I'll see you for 15 minutes. Now get out. It's, it's, it works with friends, relatives. Who invented anger? When, when did man first become angry? Do you, have they done studies to figure out? Yes, what? it was, it was, uh, it was during the, the, uh, Paleolithic era. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that, uh, stones were fashioned into tools right. and per force while that was happening, many thumbs were smashed with stones. Right. So and they had to invent God because you needed something to scream, damn it to. Yeah. You're angry when, when you're, when you hit your thumb with a hammer or with a stone, that's where anger comes, comes from. And people would borrow a, a tool from the cave over and never right. return it. Right. They wouldn't put get, it back. You'd get right angry. Where, exactly. Yeah. yeah. In all seriousness, Dr. Hershenfeld. Yes. No, the real Dr. Hershenfeld. Oh. <laughs> most people are angry around the world, right? I mean, you look at soccer games and hooligans and rugby. Anger is part of human. human. Yes, it's sir. part of. Yes. And. Everybody's angry. Every country, every culture, every, every everybody. <laughs> everybody's everybody's angry all the time, everywhere. In your world, <laughs> Mr. Feldman, everybody's angry because you're projecting your own feelings onto the rest of the world. Everybody has the capacity for anger. Every most people have the capacity for controlling that anger. And not expressing it all over the place all the time, unless it's really important and appropriate. So is, does anger stem from wanting something and not getting it? Is that what anger? That's, that's one possibility, yes. But it's... And, 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 and are there certain cultures, I'm not going into specifics, but they tend to talk like this. <laughs> Are there some that's different. That's not anger. That's that's annoyance. That's annoyance, which is like anger's like simple nephew. They say, there was an article in the paper last week about Finland, that it's the happiest country because People are satisfied with whatever they have, supposedly. Now, I've never been there, 
so I don't actually know this. But the other reason is is that it's it's dark there all the time. They don't even know what they have, uh, <laughs> or what they're missing. Yeah, and everything's frozen, so nothing ever thaws <laughs> out. You can't tell what you have. It's and don't they have a high frozen. suicide rate? I thought they had a high suicide. Rate. Yes, but they're happy. They're satisfied <laughs> with their suicides. They, they think the rate is right where it should be. <laughs> Is it Finland that has one of the highest? I don't think so. I don't. Okay. That wouldn't correlate. I'm sorry. Scandinavian countries, yes. I I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. One of the Scandinavian countries, maybe Sweden. Look at that. Always bashing the Swedes, this guy. The truth is the people in Finland, what they do is they go to Sweden to commit suicide to ruin their numbers. Are there certain, is this my imagination Everything is your imagination. We are your imagination. Okay. <laughs> this, all right. Uh, could it be possible that somebody could be raised in a household where the parents delighted in their child's rage and anger and viewed it as uh, a source of energy, a life force? Is, is that possible that, that a certain parent, I'm not saying whose parents, but they talked like this when when they were nervous. They I were think nervous. that that would that would be extra enraging to a kid because uh-huh. then the kid's not being taken seriously. If the the anger from the kid is a serious thing, and if the parents then smile at that or find that entertaining, <laughs> I think that could snowball into some real uh, rage issues. That's my guess. It is, it's related to a life force. It's related to assertiveness, aggression. They're, they're all, you know, not far from one another. And so if you have an angry child, like, like I used to come down in my smoking jacket demanding to know where my ascot was and my parents would laugh at me. Uh, I, I, I think if I was angry at the world, my parents kind of thought, well, that's good. If I was raging at the television. um. They thought it was amusing and entertaining. Not a good parenting technique. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to delirium and being delirious yeah. and holding back a sneeze. By the way, there's a delicious uh, beer that they make upstate New York in Cooperstown, and it's called delirium. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a picture of an elephant on the bottle. Have you been to Cooperstown? Oh, no, no. I'm confusing two different beers. Omegang is from upstate New York. Delirium is actually from Belgium. It's from Belgium. It's a a delicious beer. Now, have you ever had a beer with your father? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went to that beer hall down near Houston Street, near the Film Forum. And is it healthy for a father and son to to let their guard down I, my father and i never drank together or, or you know i felt or he felt it was inappropriate that parents should not let their guard down around their kids and be vulnerable would you have stabbed him if you had the chance maybe reveal too much oh okay no we have we're not big drinkers the fact of the matter is but we do drink in moderation and we've enjoyed bending the elbow together once in a while. No? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we enjoyed smoking a joint together. 
That was um, Thanksgiving 96. I remember it precisely. Seriously? In my apartment. Yeah. Aren't you afraid? I'm so terrified that I'm going to say something to my kids and it's just going to be filed away and used on me because that's what kids do. They just they just wait. They but just then you wait. could just say I was delirious. I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> that would be an appropriate use of the word. Because I was drunk or under. Drunk or stoned. Yes, that's a mild form of delirium. Well, uh, the guy who wrote the article about the Goldwater rule passed away. I don't know if you saw the not. New York. Yeah, the, the, there was a guy who wrote the story uh, where he it was for a fact magazine and uh -huh. he polled all these psychiatrists and wrote a responsible article and it was rewritten by his editor irresponsibly. And so the Psychiatric Association said no more diagnosing patients unless they're on the couch. I guess you can't. I, it would be unfair to ask about Donald Trump, but a normal human being. I, I was walking with my sister yesterday and we we're talking about Donald Trump and and like, how does he like he's almost inspirational. He's so indefatigable. Uh, and then we got around to people we know. And I said, I'm going to ask Dr. Hirschenfeld this. Where he's at right now, that's the, the sweet spot for him. Where he is right now, mm -hmm. this is his so. comfort zone, right? Uh, well, yes and no. I think, I think he needs to be in the limelight all of the time. But I also think that, that he must be anxious. I mean, he's not completely out of his mind. He must know that there's some danger coming his way, even though he probably has fantasies, grandiose fantasies, that he is untouchable. But, you know, those kinds of fantasies can come and go. I also, now that we're talking about it, I hadn't thought of this, but I imagine that he, he might think he will be reelected and that he can pardon himself. I remember there was discussion of pardoning oneself during his first term when there was uh, when during one of his other many scandals. I'll bet he thinks he's going to do that. Yeah. Is there a moment? This is what my sister wanted to ask you. Does anybody like him have a moment like an epiphany, like when they're they're thumbprinted where they they go, oh, my father was right about me or are they? Are they capable of realizing maybe I'm a horrible human being? Can anything about the arraignment process make somebody like him? I guess he's a malignant narcissist. What? He is not capable of self-reflection, but he is capable of being scared, I think. Here, here's the, the other thing is he, he didn't have the actual experience of being arrested in New York and being arraigned in New York. He had a stage managed version of right. it for a wealthy celebrity. Right. As I've told you before, I unfortunately went through the real thing. It was a false arrest. The city ended up paying me for it, but it was a truly horrifying right. 
traumatizing experience where you end up you you're actually handcuffed you're actually thrown in a cell with some very scary people some of whom are puking because they're coming down from heroin or whatever else they're on there's people lighting matches in a closed space there's all sorts of crazy scary stuff going right. on people are very threatening and it also takes you don't then get to get on your plane and go back to florida it can take 24 hours if you have the bad luck of being arrested on a friday it could take 72 hours no one's telling you anything you don't know what's happening you're just stuck with all this guy his entire life including during that whole ordeal has paid minions kissing his ass right. the entire time right. he's right. never actually subjected to a feeling of threat he's insulated from the reality so i think it's hard to imagine that he would have had any of those epiphanies whereas the average person going through that the real version of that has about 74 of those epiphanies and right. then keeps having them for the whole horrible ordeal yeah. it's it's cruel and sadistic that whole system but not for him good point excellent point Dr. Hershenfeld, real Dr. Hershenfeld. Mr. Feldman. He is fascinating, isn't he? Trump and your son. But tr Trump is. It, 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 to tell you the truth, I've really lost interest. Really? Okay. Um, I ride my stationary bike religiously every morning which means he puts on tefillin before he <laughs> every morning okay for about 40 minutes hard and i was always doing it to morning joe and now i decided it's time for a little art in my life mm -hmm. i'm watching netflix very I'm, good. I'm watching a really uh, something that I find very interesting, which is called Hit and Run. It's um, it, it's an Israeli production, mystery, violence, whatever. And I think I I feel better about spending those forty minutes with a little bit of art. You know, I'm reminded of, I think it was John, John Gilgood uh, speaking about his life and his career. And I think the quote was that he said, I, I have never read a newspaper. He just decided his yeah. life was all about theater and art and other things. And he just would not. And his most his famous head. quote from Arthur is, I'll alert the newspapers. I'll alert the papers. Wasn't it? Oh, is that right? Wasn't he yeah, the I butler? In yeah, Arthur? he was. I I'll alert the papers. That's and funny. he never read the papers. Yeah. Um, anyway, maybe it was Olivier who said that. But in any case, uh, that's the extreme version of that. I also I'm just reading. put. Oh, sorry. No, I put it in the chat just to remember what it was. But um, there was a, an opinion piece by Christopher Buckley in the time. Yeah, I read it. I, it was funny. So that reminds me also of what the doctor was just saying. Um, yeah. Just feeling like we were being subjected to this guy. Now we continue to be subjected to this guy, even if we think it's going to be coming to an end. Somehow it just keeps going and going. So it pained the way me. It pains me to read Christopher Buckley because his father is William F. Buckley. Oh, wow. Wow. And and his father was a horrible, horrible yeah. bigot and racist. And I didn't know they were related. Yeah. And I do know that Christopher Buckley voted for Obama in 2008. So I went, okay.
But his father couldn't come around and admit the war in Iraq was a disgrace. He would just use, you know, $20 words to hide a, uh, I think, an inadequate education. People, sons of famous writers should change their last names. It should be a, a tabla rasa when, when we see the byline, because for, for Christopher Buckley's sake and for the reader's sake, you should not have any baggage when you're reading somebody. Well, I didn't make the connection, so uh, some people don't know about it. But I just want to say, like in, in my own case, on this podcast, I, you really can't blame the son for the sins of the father. <laughs> I blame the father for this, the sins of, of, of the son. Uh, let's go to walking, which uh, you, you, you use the exercise bike. I've started walking again. Good. And uh, I walk also, by the way, I don't just do the bike, but I, I walk between eight and 10,000 steps a day. Every day. Every day. Yes. And, and how do you do it? You just want, are you a flaneur, a boulevardier? One the other like that. And after a while, I'm someplace else. Let me ask Ethan, and I don't know if I've asked yeah. you this before. Do you prefer boulevardiers or flaneurs? Um, uh, so there's a cheaper version of the boulevardier, and that's yeah. a back alley, a back alleyer. <laughs> it's the low rent version. That's that's my favorite of those types. Um, what is it? What? How is it possible that boulevardier and flaneur, which I would assume are French words, could easily be Yiddish? Right? He's a boulevardier, right? Don't Maybe trust him. He's a boulevardier. He's a, bull, a bullshit. A bovine is very close. What is a bovine? It, it's like a very, that is a Yiddish, and it, it's, it's, I think, like a very gross person. Say the word again. Bo, bovine, bovine. Oh, oh it sounds bovine. like bovine. Yeah. I think it must be related to bovine, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, I remember that word. I'm being serious. I remember hearing that word growing okay, up. I got to go teach some people how to do psychoanalysis. So I'll, you two guys have fun, okay? I thought you were. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Philip Hershenfeld, who taught, who reminded me of the goes. word miskite. <laughs> when he, said, he just slams the door. But when he said miskite, yeah. it was last year. Yeah. It was like remembrance of, it was like biting into a Madeline. Yeah. And my whole childhood came, uh, came pouring forth. Uh, what, what are you All reading? Right. What are you reading? Oh, I'm reading Great Expectations. I think we were talking about it here and Pip and all this. And I, I, I never really read Dickens because we had to read it when I was too young to understand it at all. We were assigned, I think, Oliver, Oliver Twist. Twi was it Oliver Twist? One of those. We were. Oh no, sorry. In seventh grade, they gave us David Copperfield to read. I, I was just figuring out how to read. Mm -hmm. I was eleven at the beginning. And it made of no sense. I didn't know what was going on. And right. then in eighth, eighth grade, they gave us great expectations. <laughs> Again, right. I was totally, it was, I mean, some of the girls in the class, I think mostly were able to read at that of level course. at that age, they maybe a few still. boys. Yeah. yeah. So it's really unfortunate, but now I'm reading it and really enjoying it. You know, uh, I, I got a new library card. I joined the New York Society Public Library, the New York Library. So it's a private library. I oh, apologize. Wow. Yeah. But it, they have, you know, books that have just come out. Wow. 
And so I've, I've been, never heard of this. Where is this place? It's a. They have private libraries in New York oh, okay. City, wow. which they. You know, I'm. I'm ashamed, but I think by going to a, a private library, I won't be buying books from my Kindle. Right. So, and, and they have beautiful reading rooms, and it, it's wow. it's really nice. So okay, I'm going to check that out. So I got. Yeah, the, look at that. I got the book. Uh, that you recommended about the actor Cal up up with the sun. Yeah. And so Uh, far it's really interesting. It's about this actor who got murdered. Uh, Yeah. It's a, it's historical. There's a book I'm reading and Dr. Harriet Fraud read it and she recommended it. Spare. Prince Harry's book oh. is, I, I'm serious. It is one of the most Come beautifully, I sw- well, he, had, he has this amazing ghost writer who Clooney works with. It wow. is so beautifully written. It really? Is one of, it I'm is shocked. One of, it is one of the best books I've read all, it, like, all year. Wow. And I read a lot. The writing is so perfect. And he wow. paints the most vivid picture of what it's like to lose your mother and have to do it publicly he's something else except for the the war stuff and fighting in afghanistan and you know he but he admits you know his parents were divorced his mother died he was filled with rage and the army was the perfect place for a kid like him uh well reader um and any gigs to plug uh, are you in Cape no. Cod? Yeah, I just we came up here. Uh, we came up here today uh, for the long for the long weekend. Um, yeah, so just here for a few days. Now um, the long weekend because t- Friday is Good Friday. Today is Maundy Thursday. What does that mean? Maundy Thursday, which precedes Good Friday. Maundy from the Latin word. That means commandment. So uh, Jesus commanded, apparently commanded us to love one another. Mm-hmm. So that's Maundy Thursday, then Good Friday. Then what happened? What kind of Saturday is it? Something. Right. Is it, is it Holy Saturday? No. I don't know, but it's interesting. The The, the schedule is, lines up with the New Testament, Passover, and then yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it usually doesn't work as close together. Yeah. It works very what, well. What did you do for yeah. Passover? Oh, no, really nothing. I made some nachos. And so nachos, but if you make it with matzah, it's machos. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And they're similarly thin instead of the nacho chips, just matzah chips. And also, um, instead of real mozzarella, you use matzarella, Mm -hmm. which is a kind of cheese. Made from wheat. From matzah. No, uh, I know. I actually made nachos. They were very good. Didn't celebrate. The mozzarella holiday. was the uh, Barbara Streisand starring in uh, Barbarella, the remake of Barbarella, where she took on the Jane Fonda. You don't. You're too young to remember. I know. Barbarella. I know Barbarella. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, mozzarella would be starring <laughs> Barbara Streisand in those hot pants. <laughs> I'll let you go. All right. Any gigs, anything to plug? Oh, I, I just recorded a very nice uh, podcast. It's a it's a narrative podcast, so it's like a radio drama. It's mm-hmm. called Best Laundrette, and I will get the link and share it with you to share with everybody. 
Fantastic. So, Thank you. Okay. I'll see you next week. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye.